Good evening. If I have not met you tonight, my name is Stephen Lancaster, and I'm a member here at NBC. Tonight I'll be preaching on Exodus 20:15. but before we get started, let's pray once again. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for being a good and gracious king that gives us everything we need and then some. Thank you for being there for us when we need you the most. Let the words I speak tonight be honoring and glorifying to you, O Lord. Let me decrease as you increase. I pray all this in your son's wonderful name. Amen. If you'll turn with me to our text tonight, I will be continuing our series through the Ten Commandments. We'll be jumping right into the text, so I'll invite you to stand with me if you're able for the reading of God's holy word. Exodus 20:15. Do not steal. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. You may be seated. Do not steal. Go in peace. No, just kidding. But when John reached out to me to preach again on Wednesday night, I readily accepted. I love preaching. I think that it's a lot of fun. Then he sent me the verse, do not steal. And the first thought that went through my head is, how on earth am I going to preach for 15 minutes on three words? A little rudimentary math for you, that's five minutes per word and one and a half minutes per letter. Once more, do not steal is not like this mind-bending, theologically intricate command that we really have to unpack. It's a command that the most secular atheist would agree with. It's something that toddlers understand when you take something from them that they believe to be theirs. So why is the command like do not steal in the Ten Commandments? The commandments that would govern Jewish law for years and years to come. Well, I believe that the fact that do not steal is in the Ten Commandments says a lot about who we are as people and who God is as the creator of the universe. Um, And that's what we'll be unpacking tonight. (laughs) So our big idea for tonight is do not steal because God has already given us everything we need. I'll say that again. Do not steal because God has already given us everything we need. We'll have two points tonight. The first one is to reflect God by not stealing. And second, reflect God through our generosity. Reflect God by not stealing and reflect God through our generosity. Now, as we continue our series through the Ten Commandments, we have heard from brothers of the body who have already preached through this series the importance of the Ten Commandments and how God's covenant people are to relate to him and to one another through them. I would like to start out tonight by reiterating what they have already stated. The commandments are split up into two categories, the commands for man's relation to God and the commands for man's relationship to one another. The first four commands are man's relationship to God, or the vertical commands, and the final six commands are man's relationship to one another, or the horizontal commands. And tonight we'll be examining one of the horizontal commands and do not steal. Now let's turn our attention to our first point tonight. Reflect God by not stealing. Why do we have to be told not to steal? Why does something as obvious as this need to be explicitly written out for us? Well, I'll tell you why. We are a fallen people in a fallen world. 
Even when the command is explicitly written out by the Lord of the universe on a tablet of stone, we still steal money, time, property, dignity, and reputations. Why? Because we are a fallen people in a fallen world. The very first sin ever committed that doomed the world to a fallen existence was theft. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they took something that didn't belong to them, something that the Lord commanded them was forbidden. After this sin, thievery continued throughout all of Scripture. In Genesis 4, Cain took Abel's life. In Genesis 27, Jacob steals Esau's birthright. In 2 Samuel, David steals Bathsheba from Uriah. And in the gospel, Jesus drives out the money changers from the temple because they had turned the temple into a den of robbers. We see this sin repeated again and again in Scripture, even after the commandments not to steal is explicitly written out in the Ten Commandments. This is because of our fallen nature as humans. We naturally reject the Lord's commands. We turn away and scoff at what he tells us to do, even though our conscience presses against us. Now, the sin of theft continues to the day and is more socially acceptable than ever before. Society views views stealing money through tax loopholes as playing the system, stealing time by leaving work a little early or taking a longer break as completely normal and almost expected, and stealing people's reputations through lies, gossip, and slander as fun and exciting. How are you tempted to steal? Are we tempted to join in with the secular world to advance our financial status through questionable means? Do we steal our employer's time by thinking it is an innocent enough crime? Perhaps we have stolen in other ways. Now I'm about to share with you one of the most shameful moments in my life, and that came in my junior year of college. I was a civil engineering major, and our junior year was the most difficult year as far as classes go. There was one class, however, that I particularly disliked and that was geotechnical engineering. This was a class about dirt, taught by a professor who is nearly deaf with a temper. So finals week rolls around, and from all of my classes that semester, I deemed geotechnical engineering as the least of my concerns, and that seemed to be the sentiment among all my classmates. However, we still needed to get a good grade in the class to keep a good GPA, so some of my classmates and I devised a plan to steal a test from a professor's office. I learned how to pick a lock, we had a lookout person in the hallway, we made sure no cameras could see us, and we carried out our plan. We picked the door lock, got into the office, took pictures of the test, and got out without being noticed. Success, or so we thought. We studied the answers to the test all week. We went into the final feeling pretty good about ourselves. We sat down and the professor handed out our test, and lo and behold, it was a completely different test. Let me tell you, I was praying for the Lord's forgiveness then. Thankfully, the test turned out fine, and I was able to pass the class with a decent grade, but I can tell you I never had the desire to steal another test ever again. Now, when I reflect on this story, besides the obvious wrongdoing of stealing a test from a professor's office, there's a problem with my heart posture towards the Lord and towards my neighbor. And I think this is the heart posture of anyone who steals. First, I was not trusting in the Lord. When stealing, one is not trusting in the Lord to give us what we need. We question his care, and we believe the lie that we have to take matters into our own hands. In times like these, do we as believers take matters into our own hands by stealing that which doesn't belong to us, 
Or do we turn to scripture like Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. When we steal, we, are not, we not only have the wrong heart posture towards the Lord, but towards our neighbor as well. When we steal, we are acting more like Satan. He is the father of lies. He steals, he kills, and destroys. Satan doesn't love his neighbor as himself. And we are acting just like him when we steal. Which leads me into my second point. Reflect God's love through our generosity. In his book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis gives, in my opinion, the most accurate representation of the way God loves versus the way humans love. Lewis defines God's love as a gift love, and he defines human love as a need love. He defines need love as the love a child has for its mother, or our dependent need we have of a savior, and that need love is in our nature. We need to be loved. We need to be taken care of. We need relationships. And in this way, we are the farthest away from loving the way God loves. Lewis describes God's love as a gift love. He pours himself out to us. He provides for us. He gives us everything we could ever need and then some. God, by his very nature, cannot be need love because he cannot need. He does not need. Everything that has ever been created was created by and for him. Everything is his, so if everything is his, he cannot need anything. Everything that we own is his. Our houses, our cars, our finances, the air we breathe, the ground on which we walk, our relationship, and even our lives are his. We see this all over scripture. Psalm 50, 10 through 12 states, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. And Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. He does not need. He does not steal. He cannot because everything belongs to him. So how does this fact relate to us in our passage tonight? Well, if the way that God loves is by giving and pouring himself out to us, the opposite of that would be stealing and taking that which does not belong to us. Stealing is the antithesis of the way God loves. So what does that mean for us to love in light of the command, do not steal? Not only should we not steal from others, but if we are to love the way the Lord loves, we should also give as the Lord has given to us. We have to pour ourselves out. We have to give of our time and resources and efforts in our lives to the advancement of the kingdom of God. We see this repeated over and over in scripture as well. Hebrews 13:16 states, do, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And, if, and Ephesians 4:28 states, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. As we grow in Christ, as we, as we reflect on the Lord's word and let the Holy Spirit sanctify our souls, not only should the desire to steal dissipate, but our desire to give, to pour out, and to love like Christ loved should grow in us, because sacrifices like these are pleasing to God. For us at NBC, this could look like taking a meal to a family that just had a child, to help a brother or sister move residences, to spend time and encourage members who are going through hardship, financially support one another as occasion may require, or simply praise someone in their pursuit of the Lord. If we do these things, we are not only showing the love of Christ to one another, 
We are showing the love of Christ to anyone who witnesses us loving each other in this way. Non-believers should be stunned and overwhelmed with how much we pour into others because through that, they're witnessing the love of Christ. Our generosity shouldn't stop with the pouring out into believers here at NBC. It should extend to everyone we encounter. Just as Paul ministered to the Greeks as well as the Jews, so should we invest time, love, and commitment into non-believers that we interact with. They should be able to see the love of Christ reflected in us by the way we invest in them. We should also be eager to share the same wonderful, life-giving gift that we have been given in the gospel. C.S. Lewis stated that God's love is a gift love. He gives us everything we need, food, clothing, housing, family, and friends, but even if he gave us none of these things, we'd have everything we would ever need because he gave us the greatest gift of all in his son. If you are here this evening and are not a believer, we are glad that you are with us. The good news that we celebrate every day is not only news for the saints and believers, it is news for the poor, the downtrodden, the lowly, and the outcasts. God sent his son to live a perfect life so that he could die and take the punishment that we deserve. He died that we might live. He died so the thief dying on the cross next to him could stand with him in glory. But it didn't end there. If Christ had stayed dead, we would have nothing to celebrate. We would have no hope because death would have won. But the truth is, he didn't stay dead. Christ rose again three days later, defeating death so that those who believe in him might have eternal life with him in paradise. What a wonderful truth this is. If you know yourself not to be a believer, I would invite for you to turn from your sins, turn towards Christ, place your hope fully in him. I promise he won't disappoint. Do not steal. A seemingly straightforward and intuitive command from the Lord is much more than what it seems at first glance. It is a command when examined that shows us our true heart posture, shows us our sinful nature, and shows us how easy it is to actually steal. It is also a command that shows us who God is. He is a God of love that continually pours himself out to us, gives us everything we could need, and gives us the greatest gift of all in his Son. By realizing the way that God loves, we also realize that when we steal, we are doing the exact opposite of loving our neighbors and loving the Lord. Because God loves and cares for us, and Christ has saved us, Christians should refuse to steal and be the most generous people. We know that God will provide for us, and we know that Christ will meet every need. If we are to love the way God loves, we are to, get, we are to pour ourselves out to one another. We are to invest in each other's lives, we are to give of our resources for the advancement of the kingdom of God, and most importantly, live every moment in service to our Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together tonight to come and worship and praise you. Thank you for the ability to gather together on Wednesday night when so many places around the world don't have that ability. Thank you for your commands and your guidance in our lives. Help us to live out your commands in a way that is honoring and glorifying to you, O Lord. I pray that the words that I have spoken tonight be used to edify and build up the church here at NBC. Finally, I thank you for sending your son down to die for our sins and raising three days later to defeat death so that we may live with you in glory. 
I thank you and praise you, O Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.